In our very last episode, we talked all about the five things that are stealing all of your time and what you can do to get at least an hour a day back just with some of my hacks. If you haven't listened to it, it's a great episode to go listen to. It's also a fantastic lead in to what we're going to be talking about today, not to completely ruin it. If you haven't listened already, but the number one thing that's stealing your time is screen time. And if you have a lot of screen time, it's probably guaranteed that your kids do too. This is one of my favorite subjects. I'm extremely passionate about it. And we've got a lot of great information, some actual factual studies, some really great data that we're going to bring in and some super practical ways, things that you've never even thought about stuff. That's so creative that you're literally going to feel like you can actually become the mom that doesn't just slap a screen in front of their kid. And you're still able to get the things done that you want to get done every single day. If you're feeling guilty about how much time you put a screen in front of your kids, then you're going to want to grab a notebook and buckle up for a super in-depth and juicy episode right here inside of the Systemize Your Life podcast. What do you say? Let's go ahead and get started. Systemize Your Life with Chelsea Joe. That's me. And this is a podcast for modern women who are eager to live with more meaning and less overwhelm. We're about to tap into some fiercely meaningful relationships, bang in organization and time management strategies, and a rock solid plan for our personal well-being with functional systems to those problems we all go through. Girl, if you feel like you're watching life go by from a window on the hot mess express, then it's time to roll up your sleeves, dig in, and get your life out of the chaos and into confidence. lot to be said about today's topic. I'm going to try and keep this as brief as possible while giving you the most practical and tangible specific routines that we are currently using and have been using and will continue to use in order to keep screen time at a minimum in our life. One thing I want to be really clear about is that we are by far and away not perfect at this at all. Our kids do have screen time. I do use it strategically. I do experience days where I have backslid out of these routines and it has a really negative effect on my parenting, my kid's behavior, etc., etc. But what I do know is exactly what's to do to fix it, to get out of it, how to maintain it. But I struggle just as much as anyone else does with this, because we see it everywhere we go. You literally can't go anywhere without seeing a child in front of a screen, whether it be at the gas station, if it's at the grocery store, if it's in the shopping cart, if it's at a restaurant, if you go on a play date, if you're at the park, anywhere where there is literally 30 seconds of downtime, Parents are putting screens in front of children, and we, as parents, are absorbing that information as something that's okay, something that is acceptable. Now, maybe that is acceptable for your family, but when you do accept that as a part of your life and the the culture that you've created in your home, I think it's really important that you understand some of the side effects, some of 
just the general effects of what it does. And if you haven't researched any of this at all, and maybe you're too scared to, and I get it, but knowledge and information can be incredibly useful, super powerful, and it can help you make the decisions that you really want to make. You can just type on screen time or children's screen time effects of screen time into Google and read as much as you want. I've pulled up a couple of my favorite resources. One is from the American Academy of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry. And I'm just going to really quickly give you some of the effects. What are some of the things that happen to our kids whenever we're giving them too much screen time? Obviously we see the effects of it, but I actually want you to know on like a very deep psychological level, what your choices as a parent, the routines that you are creating in your home, how it's affecting your children. This very specific, it's the AACAP.org is the website, American Academy of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry says that, (laughs) this is crazy, children and adolescents spend a lot of time watching screens, including smartphones, tablets, gaming consoles, TVs, or computers. We're talking about all screens, okay? On average, children ages 8 to 12 in the U.S. spend four to six hours a day watching or using screens, and teens spend up to nine hours. That is a lot of time. And that's why in the last episode, we talked about this. We talked about where your time is going. And if you haven't already taken the steps to look into how much your screen time is on your phone, you should probably jump in and do that right now. You may be absolutely blown away by the number and you might be pleasantly surprised, but too much screen time, according to the study, can lead to sleep problems, lower grades in school, reading fewer books, less time with family and friends, not enough outdoor physical activity, weight problems, mood problems, poor self image, body image issues, fear of missing out. And the list just keeps going on from there. Let me show you a little. Now, whether or not you are seeing that information actually happening and some of those things off that list actually happening in real life to your children or not, or whether you're in denial and you think that the effects of your children's behavior, their grades, their socialization, their body image, all the things from the list are actually attributed to their screen time. Let me just jump over to another study that I have read from unicef.org. This is specifically looking at younger children and how it affects them in their later years of life. This is the most crazy thing in the whole world. And I've taught on this before, but I'm just going to put this here again. Screen time actually reduces your children's empathy. So their ability to empathize is actually reduced because of screen time. It can curtail their ability to control impulses. And here's why there's a whole bunch of other things as well. But just to focus on this specifically, exposure to, it says, exposure to screens reduces babies' ability to read human emotion and control their frustration. It also detracts from activities that help boost their brain power, like play and interacting with other children. Here's what's going on with their brain. Children are supposed to be able to before language develops and as language is developing. So those years all the way up until five, six, seven, right? Especially up until about the age of six, when their brains are absorbing so much information, when screens are involved, the two-way communication that's happening with children is completely blocked. Their communication relies on non-verbal communication because their language is still developing. So they're looking at facial 
non-manual markers, right? They're looking at facial expressions. They're looking at deriving meaning from a face. They're looking at whether or not that person is happy. If they're upset, they're trying to figure out meaning from what they're seeing, not what they're hearing and not what they're vocalizing. Right. And so when you put a screen in front of a kid, it interrupts that channel of communication and it has long-term effects on these kiddos. So for so many of us moms that have little ones at home that just, I just want time to be able to focus on my work. I get you and I understand it. And I feel that there has to be a better way. And I'm telling you that there is a better way in so many different opportunities throughout your day. There could be a different routine established that is not a screen. Today, I'm going to give you two very, very specific ones that I find to be super fun. And so do my kids. Not only are they fun, but they're simple and they're practical. So that's what we're going to get into right now. I'm going to talk about my two favorite routines. There's a lot of other ones. And what you can do is you can look at what is your go-to as a mom for providing screen time to give you a break. What is your go-to? Like when is the heaviest point of the day where you're just like, fine, go watch it. If it's all day long and your kids have a tablet every day, all day, they have access to a screen at any time of the day. That's okay. There's a place to begin. Removing that for two hours is better than doing nothing at all. And then scaling back, build on these routines. You look at where it would be easiest for you to make a switch and where it would be most impactful to your day. I guarantee you within a day, if you do this for a day, and if you're consistent with it for a week, you will see a huge change in your children's behavior from the way that you're interacting with them and from the way that they're interacting with you, those conversations and that connection, the behavior management, all of it is going to improve greatly. So here's the first routine that we're going to be talking about today. This is what we do to be able to reduce screen time. And it is our go bag routine. (laughs) Hear me out. The number one place that I see people giving their screens or giving screens in general to children is when they're not at home. This is when parents want to be able to focus. They want to be able to do what it is that they need to do. And they don't want to be bothered or interfered by their children that don't have a long attention span. Well, the, the short attention span that you're experiencing with your kids is because they're addicted to tech. It's because they're addicted to screen time. It's probably because they haven't exerted enough energy because they've been on screens too long. It's a vicious cycle. Okay. And so that's what we want to get out of. And this routine is by far and away one of the funnest ones to do that you can get your kids involved in so that there isn't pushback. There aren't the tantrums and understand we talked about this in the last episode. Not only are you addicted to the screen time, your children are suffering from addiction too. And I get it. Like there's so much guilt that's involved in that. And when you go to remove these things, you have to understand there may be temper tantrums. That's okay. That's what addiction does, but you know better and you have a plan in place from this podcast episode on exactly how to help them. So here's a hard, fast rule that we set in our family at all times. Our children do not have screens when we leave this house, period, at all. They don't have them. My 10-year-old, my 5-year-old never have, and they won't. When we leave as a family out of this house, we don't have screens. Every once in a while, I take my phone, the whole family is 
made aware that mom's going to be taking videos of certain things and I post a social later. That's part of the work that I do. That's part of sharing my life and having an online business. That's okay. That's fine. Those things are talked about, but we do not, we do not have screens when we leave the house. Well, how do you go to the grocery store? Well, how do you sit through a long appointment? Well, how do you keep your kids entertained when you go to dinner? You just do. And how? With the go bag. (laughs) So let's talk about it. There's two different types of go bag. There's one for your kids and there's one for you. And I want you to be prepared with both of them. Right now, let's quickly go through what it looks like to prepare a go bag for kids so you can 100% of the time remove screens from leaving the house. So every time you go to get in the car, there is no tablet, there is no cell phone, there is no nothing. Kids are older, they're going to school, they're allowed to take their cell phone with them. Awesome, it should be tucked away in their backpack. Kids are older, you're forcing them to go to dinner with you, but they wanna talk to their friends the whole time. Phones should be left at home. Just period. There should, there's no need for it. There wasn't a need for it. Whenever we were in school, (laughs) when we were younger, we just sat and stared at our parents and we hated every minute of it. We couldn't wait till we got home to talk to our friends on the phone. And that was okay. And it's still okay. And they can hate you for it for all that it is. But on the other side of it, again, you know, what's best and you're going to provide the connection and the meaning and the value for your children that they need, depending on the age that they are. So inside, and this is the same for long road trips. They don't have tablets. We have one laptop and we take a DVD player that connects to the laptop and they get to watch a few movies and they have to agree on what the movie is. And the 10 year old doesn't always agree with the five-year-old and we figure out how to make it work. And that's honestly a brand new thing. We just started that last year and we don't always use it either. Here's what is inside of a go bag. Every kid in the house has one and they get to pack it themselves books, toys, games, paper, scissors, glue stick, beading. Right now, Bailey's in an age where it's like doll baby everything. Anything that Bailey's packed, she's packed it for her doll baby. Like seriously, Frankie Joe went through it. So I'm just used to it at this point, but it's like doll baby needs everything, right? The girls are old enough now to where they pick out all of their own things and they put them in their go bag. And I go in and, and even both of us, me and the girls will change up what's inside the bag once I notice that they aren't holding their attention anymore. So we take the go bag depending on what time of day it is, right? If I know that it's in Bailey's witching hour, which yes, she's five and she still has a witching hour. She loves her sleep. We will take the go bag inside the restaurant with us. If Frankie's having a hard time, if I know that they're going to have a hard time being patient, we take the go bag in with us. It's just a backpack. It's just a normal everyday backpack. It sits on the bench whenever they come in and whenever we go out, the go bag gets dropped there. You can leave these in the car, but in Arizona, you cannot because crayons melt and so does chopstick and lots of things. So we bring them back in because it's just like brutally hot. If we're going to go into a meeting, like Blaine and I not long ago had a meeting with the realtor when we first met him, there was a ton of information. There was a ton of paperwork. Bailey came with, she was four years old. She sat the entire time and she played with the stuff in her go bag. She didn't make a peep no screen time, no nothing, no iPad, no videos, no nothing. She played and I helped her a little bit. I would encourage her. I know in the back of my head, the things that hold her attention the best. And I will strategically put those in her bag when I see, okay, these aren't working anymore. What's inside of a mom go bag. (laughs) Now, if you've got babies, you obviously know what this looks like, right? Like that's just obvious, but When you ditch the go bag, I mean, when you ditch the diaper bag, start reaching for your own kind of go bag. 
sometimes the girls won't grab their go bag because it's just like a we picked them up from school and we decided to go somewhere or it's just like a one-off chance that we don't have it with us or we didn't expect to be gone long something happened somebody called they want us to stop by whatever i always like to be prepared and so inside of my bag or you could even stash this in the car like just a small little almost like a makeup bag of sorts like i'm talking like super small it doesn't have to be a lot but it's just like a little bag that zips that i put down inside of my bag And if you didn't have a super creative mom, like I did, that I learned all this stuff from, then you're going to have to teach yourself how to entertain your kids with engagement rather than just pawning them off. And I know it feels like so much more work. And here's the thing. You've created this habit for yourself so much more than them. They didn't have a choice in this. You told them that this was okay because you liked the fact that you could have a straightaway conversation with your husband over dinner and bring the kids and they would sit there on their iPads. You created that. And if that's what you want to continue doing, fine. But I challenge you to look at how much time your kids are in front of screens and do a little bit of research on what it's doing to them all around, to how they behave at school, to how they behave at home, what they're actually being exposed to. I've had very, very, very near and dear friends that bad things have really been exposed to their kids when they had the best of intentions. It doesn't matter what kind of parent controls you put on these things. There's a way. There's a way that not so great things will get exposed to your kids. And the the likelihood of that just increases the more you let them sit and watch screens, no matter what it is. Okay. And this has been a progression for our family. Our kids had iPads for a long time and I saw what it was doing to Frankie. We immediately removed YouTube. There's no YouTube anywhere in our house, except for on the shared television. That's massive in the living room that we can all sit and watch together. Nowhere else can it be found. And then I just started removing apps that they loved. And all of a sudden they became like, not even fun for them anymore. So why would they even grab them? And that's what I wanted. It was hard for me because it was a built-in babysitter, right? But Blaine and I agreed. I was like, oh my gosh, like that'll give me two hours to focus on my work, but it's not what I want to be as a parent. So it's gone. These are the kinds of conversations that I want you to understand that I've had to make too. And I know it's not easy, but I really want you to think about it. Okay. Go back. What? Let me get back on track with this. <laughs> Go back for mom. What's inside? Okay. There's three, I call them boredom busters. Okay. There's three different types of boredom busters that you can have inside of your, inside of your purse. You don't have to have all three of them, but you can. <laughs> I like to, and here's the three categories. The first one are games. Look, these games don't take up any space at all. These are games that you hold inside of your head, but you may want to take a piece of paper and write a list down and put it inside of this little go bag that you're putting in your purse. You could even write it in your phone if you wanted to. But what we're trying to do here is remove phones from like the environment when you're out and about as much as you can. So here are some games that you can play with your kiddos, depending on their age, right? There's a whole like list of them here that I'm going to go through. We love to play I spy shapes, I spy colors, I spy animals, I spy letters, I spy numbers. We like to play the cloud game of guessing pictures. We love to play who am I? 
who's the quietest. That's my personal favorite. Uh, going on a trip, we love to tell knock-knock jokes, riddles. We do math problems. And these have scaled in complexity as Frankie's gotten older. We still have a five-year-old, so we still kind of have to like keep them simple every once in a while. But when Frankie's in the car, sometimes it's just questions. Sometimes it's just getting her to dream, getting her to open up and talk, getting her to have conversations. And sometimes it's okay to just be quiet. Sometimes it's also okay while you're in the car specifically, it's to like ask somebody for a certain playlist or whatever it is that you know excites your family, start thinking about these things. But this is just stuff that I will like pull out of my back pocket and start playing with my kids. I vividly remember sitting as a young girl with my mom and she would like come up with like these random games with her hands. And like we were, she was just always doing something with me. She always had a pen and a paper, which leads me to the next thing, independent play. Here's another one of the boredom busters. So we just went through games. Obviously, if you have, and we do, we have a couple little like travel games. I've got this little teeny tiny sack of like their little wooden chips and they have, it's a matching game and they have these beautiful birds engraved on each side of them. And there's like, I don't know, maybe 20 of them and you flip them all over and then you play matching. And it's like in this tiny little sack. They're really little. They're maybe like the size of a nickel or a quarter. And so we bring that and that's fun to play, right? Tic-tac-toe, things like that are stuff that you can do. Okay. Independent play. This is stuff like books, journals, mini coloring book and crayon set, old fashioned games. Like I just talked to you about, but like, can you get a mini Etch-A-Sketch? Rubik's cubes are super hot right now. What about a yo-yo? You know, like anything, tic-tac-toe activity books. Like you can actually go into the dollar section at target and probably pay $5. It's probably not a dollar. It's like my running joke. I hate that section with all my heart and soul. Like it literally understands my soul. And I don't know how whoever's in charge of that section knows me very, very well. It gets me every time my girls are like, mom, don't do not. And every time we walk in, I'm like, but Blaine, I love it. And he's like, I know you do, but we really can't do this right now. <laughs> Don't go right now because they have every fall thing that you could ever even imagine. And like, I want all of it. Anyway, you can go in there and they have like activity kits, right? So it's like a little teeny tiny packet of like a sticker book and like a colored pencil. We just got an Elsa one for her birthday. Somebody gifted to her. So fun things like that or mini cars or like dolls. Polly pockets are great for my girls right now, depending on how old your kids are, right? Like this might be hard. You might have to sit and have a conversation with your older kids and be like, look, you're not going to like this, but we're going to try this for two weeks because I care about you and I'm your mom and I want to talk to you more. I want to engage with you more. I want to get to know you better whatever you need to say, you're going to have a conversation with them and you might be packing very different things, or you might just jump to the third boredom buster, which are snacks, 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 snacks. That's all we're going to say about that. All the snacks. I mean, I chop the things, I pack the things, I bring the ice packs. Like we go heavy on snacks and everyone makes fun of me. It's like a thing, but guess what? When your kids are antsy and they, you need to hold their attention, snacks it is. And you would be surprised at how many snacks your children will eat. Look, I'm, I'm all for not ruining mealtime. I really am. But I always keep a good snack on me, even for me, because it helps me. Sometimes I'm cranky and I like I literally am super impatient because I'm hungry and I just need a snack. All right, let's talk about our second routine. This is also one that I'm super fired up about. It's one that has lost its luster in our lifetime, and I'm so sad about it. This is the routine that I like to call mealtime routine. Number one time that I 
am inclined to put my kids in front of a screen, television specifically, as at mealtime. I love to cook and I love to have my kids cook with me, but it is so much easier to be like, go turn on Blippi and watch something so I can hurry up and get this done. Like, you feel me on that one? And look, if you've got older kids during mealtime, what are they doing? Are they on their screens? Are they on their phones? It's highly likely. So it doesn't really matter what age your kids are. I feel like this is the time when, you know, if it's breakfast or if it's dinner or whenever it might be, it's typically breakfast and dinner, right? Where they just kind of like escape out into their hole and you get focused and then they just like appear out of nowhere and grab the food and it's like a thing. And some of them go back to their screens while they're eating. So let's talk about how unbelievably influential mealtime can be over your kids when you remove screen time and how you can use this routines to just help you reduce the amount of screen time your kids are getting. It's literally taken hours of screen time away from my kid's life. And do we always do this exact mealtime routine? No, we don't. We do sit in front of the TV and watch together as a family television from time to time you know our biggest thing right now is America's Funniest Home Videos like it's so crazy how much they love those and and that's fun for a family and there's nothing wrong with that we're you know what we're talking about right now right it's the need and the impulse for you to lean on that and to give that to your kids instead of engaging with them and we've already talked about what that does when you reduce the engagement with your kids and give them screens instead I know that this can be really, really hard and just getting kids fed when you're super busy and you're overwhelmed can be really frustrating and overwhelming and you're already surrounded by chaos and just thinking about this can, can be saddening and, and terrifying for some moms to think about how they're going to make this shift and I just want you to think about the most important thing for me, in my opinion, that you can teach your children is something related to how to care for themselves like food, right? Get them involved in this process. Just put a phone basket out and have everybody drop their phones in, lead up into this routine. If you know that you're trying to remove screens from mealtime, then let them have their 30 minutes before mealtime, give them a hard stop, and then get them really, really excited. I'm going to give you four steps right now. There's the before, there's two parts to the before, during and after portions of this routine. The beforehand is getting them involved with the prep. Teach them about food. First of all, this is going to make them eat a variety of foods by having them involved, okay? Talk about safety with cooking. Talk about nutrition. Talk about your favorite things to eat. Talk about their favorite things. Talk about your not favorite things. Talk about memories that you have with food that you love and that you don't love. Talk about the first time they ate carrots. Talk about anything that comes to mind related to the food, okay? Or just talk about your day. Ask them how their day was. You probably haven't had a minute to slow down to just be like, how was math today? How was orchestra? How did it go with that friend? How did that test go? Like just stop and talk to your kids. That is what 
I promise you they love that a thousand more times than they love that iPad and it will become addictive to them for them to get that kind of one-on-one and that kind of engagement out of you. The second step of the before part of this routine is assign them a serving role. Each person should have a job for getting food on the table from itty, 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 bitty. If they can walk, they should be doing this truly. Like I don't care if they're 18 months old. If they can walk, they have a job. Put the plastic cup on the table. Put the napkins on the table. I don't care what it is. If they're older, 7, 8, 9, 10, they should have even bigger jobs, right? Of actually serving food onto plates and passing them out. Bailey's five. She counts how many people are here, how many silverware, how many plates, etc. do we need? Give them a serving role, whatever that looks like. Here's the during. This is step three. Okay, so there's was two steps. And then here's the third one is during. What are you doing during your mealtime that's making everyone super excited to not have their phone tucked under their leg? Again, you've got to implement that phone basket. Phones and screens should not be anywhere around. If you're just coming to this mealtime routine and your children cannot sit at the table the entire way through, your family does not know how to sit at a kitchen table without getting up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Just start there. That is the first place to start. That attention span is so short because they've been exposed to so much screen time. You've got to learn how to hold your kids' attention at the table. I don't care if you got to dance, if you got to sing, I don't care what you got to do, but you're going to have to start getting real entertaining at that dinner table. For us, it's down, it's chill, it's fun, it is what it is, but we've been doing this for a while. It was real hard for Bailey. When she was little, I'm talking like a baby, we would go to eat and Bailey would have to eat immediately because if it was before four o'clock, it was a nightmare. She would have to eat immediately. And then someone would have to get up and take her out and go walk with her. And Blaine and I would have to split shifts. We could have very easily put a screen in front of her, but we both agreed it's a hard no. We don't like it. We don't want to do it. We're not doing it. And so we lived through that terrible, terrible season where we never had a meal together ever. And it was the same thing at dinner at our house every single night. And we slowly, but surely have been working on it. And she's awesome. Now she's been awesome for a couple years. She'll sit at the dinner table. She doesn't get up. That's what you want is everybody at the table. Okay. Then what do we do to make it fun? We play games. We just absolutely have loved this new way of engaging with each other at the table. We've got fun card games like that ask each other questions. We'll come up with something fun to do at the table. And again, this isn't a hundred percent of the time, but most of the time, this is what we do at mealtime. And we're doing it about 90% of the time. Now, if it's before school and that's the mealtime and we're not having screens, We're talking about what they're looking forward to that day, how they can use their gifts to help others. So an example of this is I literally will ask Frankie, Hey, you're like one of the kindest, sweetest kids in your classroom. What are you going to do for someone today to be able to use that as a gift for somebody else? And she'll give us examples, right? We might be focusing on a certain characteristic that we want to embody in our home, whether it be you know, just kindness or forgiveness or whatever that looks like. And we'll ask him, okay, how are you going to show forgiveness today? How are you going to show, you know, that you're thankful, that you're grateful, that you're kind. 
and we'll ask both girls and we'll get them talking. And sometimes we even take this forward into the car as we're going to school. This is what I'm talking about, right? What part of them do they want to focus on improving? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Get creative. Engage your kids. This is what we've lost because we lean on screen time too much. Here's what you're going to do after the meal is done to wrap up this routine. It's the silliest thing on the planet, you guys, but I promise it is so worth it. Encourage and start to set the expectation for your kids to ask to be excused from the table. Here's why. When you set the precedence that this is an honorable space, that what we hold together around this table is so admired and so sacred and to be respected that we ask to be excused from the table, it lets them know that this is something of value that they don't want to miss out on. And the more that you show that your kids are worth that kind of time and attention, the more they're going to want to show up for it. And it might not be easy at first, but yes, we, we, our kids have to ask to be excused before they get it from the table. And here's another reason. Here's the second reason why it immediately triggers in their mind. This next part of the routine, what do they do when they're excused from the table? And they're learning this, right? They have to clear their plate. They have to do their part of the cleanup. If your kids are way older, then they're going to have a heavy part of the cleanup, right? They should be clearing the food and putting it in the Tupperware. Someone else should be clearing the pots and pans. Someone else should be wiping down the table. You got a lot of kids. Cool. Everybody only has a little part to play. This is, this is the part of mealtime that I don't want you to overlook. These are the things that draw your kids to the table and away from electronics. When you have this kind of commitment and value on a small, what seems like insignificant part of your day, your kids start to learn honor and respect for some of the most foundational parts of their life, like how to nourish themselves and how to come together and communicate even on hard days, even when it's sad, even when they hate their siblings, even when they're mad at you, you still show up for each other instead of leaning on electronics. And it might be, this might feel like light years away from possible for your family right now, or you might be really close to it and just want to fine tune it. No matter where you are on this spectrum and no matter how much you've allowed screen time into your life with your kids, I promise these two routines will make a huge impact, not only on your kids, but on your whole family. I encourage you to try it out. I would love to hear how it goes. I'd love to hear your fears. I'd love to hear your wins after you do start putting this in place. You want to know how I can find out about it? Come share it over inside of our Facebook group. You can search Systemize Your Life over inside of Facebook. It's completely free. It's the community that I've created to have an after party here after the podcast goes live. And I'd love to meet you over there. All right. Thanks for being here. And I look forward to meeting you back real soon for another episode on the Systemize Your Life podcast. Hey, before you go, if today's episode was meaningful to you, I know it will be for others. So please head over to iTunes, subscribe, then leave a review so more women can join our community too. And did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the women in your life? That's right. 
All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of this very podcast, tag me, and post it in your stories. What do you say we make a mighty breadcrumb trail for all the other women around us so we can make a change to the culture of how we care for each other and ourselves? I'll look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. Until next time on Systemize Your Life with Chelsea Joe.